glad we're glad we're gathered here today. So I know that uh, hopefully, if if the Christians are doing their job right, we've got people in all places of faith, a consideration, doubt when it comes to Jesus. So the the next thing we're going to do is is worship God by, by studying his word, really, is what we do. We'll get together. We study from, through the Bible. We're going through the book of John, if you're just joining us. So we gotta go, we're going through the entire book, at least considering every verse and then seeing what topic pokes up. But what's super important, one of the things the scriptures warn against, which I think we can all, a trap we can all fall into, is we continue to hear what God says, right, through Jesus through the men and women throughout time, that he's filled with his spirit to be his messengers. We can do, hear those things, but do nothing about it. And we like to say it, you know, be hearers of the word and not doers. So one of the things I'm excited about, and another announcement to tell you is uh, we're really praying and taking that seriously. And so I'm going to pick on Jen. Jen, would you? This is Jen. If you guys don't know Jen, Jennifer. Uh, she's helping us launch what we're calling a hands and feet ministry. Well, what is that, Will? Well, I'm glad you asked. It could be a lot of things. We're not quite sure everything that it's going to include. But we're just trusting that the God, God's going to put in the hearts of his sons and daughters the ways in which they can live out the truth of the gospel, the truth of Jesus, his hope, his love to the world around them. So where do we get started? We're going to have a meeting, right? Who, who doesn't love a great meeting? And when you have a meeting, what's the best thing to do at a meeting? What do you think, Corey? Eat, right? So, so I wanted to let you know there's a, sign, there's a sign-up sheet out there, right? What we're looking for is kind of an informational meeting, seeing who's interested, who's tired of just hearing the word and doing nothing about it. And if that's you, it's next Sunday, right? 22nd, I'm sorry, I, I, for some reason I was wrong. The 22nd. I don't want to get ahead of myself. We're not there yet. The 22nd. So it's super important. The 22nd, do a sign-up sheet. We're going to bring food in. They're going to get together. What else do I need to let them know? Kind of brainstorm, connect, launch off on, on being a group of people that, yes, we're hearing the word, we're studying the word, we're getting to know God more and to receive his love more, and now the so what is what we do with it. What's that? Oh, oh sorry. I thought someone said something. Yeah. Make sense? Okay, let's pray and we'll get into John. Father, thank you so much for my brothers and sisters, Lord, all the men and women that, that they were your idea. You created them. And through Jesus, you created everything. Created me and everyone here, Lord. And you have a great plan and a great love for us. And while we rejected you and wanted nothing to do with you, Jesus, you came to earth and you died. And by dying, you paid for our sins. And then you didn't stay dead. You rose from the dead and now you're have all power and authority in heaven with the Father. So we need your power. We need your mercy. We need your grace and your forgiveness. Please talk to us about it through the book of John today. I pray that we would hear these words and that it would cause us to grow and believe and trusting in you, I pray. Amen. Awesome. Okay. Turn or click in your Bibles to John 4. Verse 43. But before that, let's set the stage. This is really kind of cool. I was reading through this, a commentary I was reading. I know, right, commentaries. But, but it actually said, don't forget about John 1, 1, right? In the beginning. So I took the New Living Translation version, which is fun, and I wanted to start with this. In the beginning, the Word already existed. What's the Word? If you read ahead, you find out it's Jesus. So in the beginning, Jesus already existed. Okay? 
that Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. Jesus gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. So grab that and put that in your pocket, man. I don't care how much darkness there is in the world. I don't care how selfish I get. I don't care how many bad decisions I make, how proud I get. None of that's going to overcome Jesus. So we get together. One of the main things I hope today is that you would remember who Jesus is. You would know that he loves you so much that he's invited you to follow him. And he's going to take us through all the darkness that exists and light our path. That's awesome, right? Okay, that's good enough. We can go home now, right? That's all. That should be enough. But no, I'm not going to leave it at that, Josh. Sorry, bro. Okay, so we're going to continue on. John 4. John 4, 43. After two days, he departed for Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. Now, I'm going to stop here for a minute. Uh, Jesus said this. You see this recorded like in the Gospels. At some point in time, he makes this comment. Like, hey, someone who's bringing the truth from God that's previously unnoticed, right, unknown, and they bring truth from God, inevitably, their hometown is the hardest place for them to deliver this message. I live this, guys, because understand I was born down the street, okay? So I get lots of like, wait, you're a pastor? And so I've become a little bit proud of that, just to say, hey, from who I was and all my limitations, what God has done with in my life, right? And that he never gave up on me. So I get what you're saying, Jesus. But you guys are so kind. No one's tried to kill me yet. No one tried to throw me in Fane Lake and get rid of me yet. Yet, So we'll see. Hopefully, if I keep speaking truth, that'll probably happen someday. Then I'll know I'm getting close, being more like Jesus. So when, let's stop here. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. It's almost facetious here, right? It's almost like, yeah, they were really happy to see him. Right? Like, were they really his hometown? They were pretty excited to see him. Well, some were. But overall, not everyone was excited to see Jesus. Well, what do you mean, Galilee, all these, all these names, right? So, we'll see if I can make this laser pointer work today. So, what happens here is if we look through the, the book of John, what you end up seeing is you see kind of at, at the beginning, right? We've got, we've got like this area, this Bethany beyond Jordan right there. John the Baptist is baptizing, right? Jesus goes and he's baptized, he meets some followers. And then they're like, hey, we're going to go. And he heads up here towards Galilee. And up here in Galilee, there's a little place that's kind of hard to see. It's called Cana. And do you remember what happened in Cana? A wedding, right? He took his new friends to a wedding. And at the wedding, they were running out of wine. So Jesus did his first miracle, right? which was turning water into wine. And not just any wine, the best wine and a lot of it. Right? So then what happened is, you know, uh, he started getting some attention, right? So he, he took these different journeys, and you'll see, like, they go down, they go down back to Jerusalem in that area. There's a Passover. So he's kind of traveling, like, up and down, right? So now what happens is he's, gonna, he's down here, and he decides he's going to go back up to Galilee. Well, the problem we just ran into is this, this, this 
country here in the middle, Samaria. It's full of these people called the Samaritans, people that were seen by the Jews as unclean and people not to associate with. So Jesus didn't take the common path, which was, which was some way to go around on one side or the other to avoid all the Samaritans. He went right through the heat of it, and he found a woman, a woman that we would call either the woman at the well or the Samaritan woman. And we just finished that, that kind of episode, right? He stayed there for a couple days. A bunch of the Samaritans came out. They heard what the woman had told them. They came out to see him. They, who knows what he did and what he said? But it moved hearts and changed minds. And so they began to believe. And now he's like, time to go. So he heads back up to Galilee. Clear as mud? Right? So they're walking a lot. So please understand, we're not hearing all the things that Jesus is saying. We're not hearing all the cool inside jokes that happen when you walk for days and weeks with people. We're not hearing all the miracles or all the teachings. There's a lot missing here. But they've given us, and in John, they record uh, eight different miracles, which whose purposes are all to point us towards greater belief in Jesus. So here we go. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. Okay, let's stop there a second. So if we, like if we go back, right? So somehow there's people here in Galilee that were at the feast down here. Why? Passover. What happened at Passover? All the Jews had to go to Jerusalem, right? So then they went home. And when they went home, they're like, guess what? There's this guy, Jesus. He's from Nazareth. Nazareth? Nothing good comes from Nazareth. Yeah, to make it more, he's a carpenter's son. And we think the dude might be the Messiah. I don't know. He was healing people and doing these miraculous things. And I think it's the same dude that made all that wine at the wedding in Cana. Right? So word had got out. They might say word on the street is Jesus is doing this, right? Right? If you're like a 90s kid like me, you might say that. So when he came to Galilee, some people were excited. And some were probably nervous. The Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he'd done in Jerusalem at the feast. Of course, we don't even know all that he did. Verse 46, so he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he'd made the water and the wine. I put a little note of John too. That's where we went, we went over the, the wedding feast in Cana. And at Capernaum, right? You guys go back to the map here. So Capernaum, right? It's up here. It's up here a little higher than, than Cana. So this guy came down from there. At Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. Um, let's, let's look at this. The word official here, the language here refers to the fact that this man most likely worked for a king. And at this point in time, who would be considered the king? Herod, right? So this guy worked for Herod. This is where it can get a little confusing, depending on who you listen to. So this man would have either been uh, a Jew or a Gentile, right? Someone who came from a Jewish background or a Gentile. A lot of people believe he was probably Jewish and he was in the service of Herod the king. So what does that tell us about this guy if he was one of the king's guys? Super poor or well off? Well off, right? Uh... Probably educated. Probably great confidence in his ability to live life. 
But like always, ha- always happens is circumstance. It doesn't matter how tall you stand, how great you think you are, life has a way of humbling you. Right? So here it is. His son was ill. Now, here's the first question, and I just want to throw this out there. I've got some small print you probably can't read unless you go back online and do that here. But there's a question. There's also a story in Matthew and Luke about Jesus healing a centurion's, which is a a Gentile, right? A Roman. His servant. Some people say it's the same story. Some people say it's not. I don't know. But let me just tell you this before we move forward. There's some major differences here in these stories. Uh, One is the centurion being a Gentile, right? And many people believe this royal officer appears to be Jewish. The centurion's slave was the one that was suffering from paralysis. Where this one, it was the official son, was ill with a fever. And the other one, the centurion, is at Capernaum. And then this one, the royal officer came to Cana. And then finally, the centurion's faith, if we looked at that story, Jesus prays like, oh man, I don't see faith like this in all the land, and you're not even a Jew. And then here in the royal official, we're going to see this guy rebuked like, why do you got to keep asking for signs? Why don't you just, you got no faith. And then also the centurion says, Jesus, you don't even need to come. If you just say it, it's going to be so. Where the royal official is like, you got to come with me, my son's going to die. Is it worth, is this exercise worth that investigation? Well, what I can, what I can tell you is it does point to the fact that Jesus, Jesus had a plan, had the power, the ability, and the love that he did this kind of stuff multiple times. And every time he did it, there was a purpose. It was a picture. If he saved your physical life, it's because he longed to save you spiritually, right? If he healed you physically, it's because he longed to heal every part of you if you would simply believe, right? So, okay. Anyway, now, now that we don't need to get stuck up on that idea, let's just keep moving forward, okay? But is it the same story? I don't know. Evidence would point to it's a different story and a different lesson, But personally, I'll tell you, when I study the Bible, I believe the great thing about it, they call it the living word. And the reason why is even though we don't live in that culture in that time, and even though I've been studying these books since I was a kid, every time I look at it, there's a new. There's a new lesson, a new love, a new new picture, a new perspective. And I believe that the reason why that happens, guys, is because we have the very spirit of God himself living in us. And it is the great teacher. And it knows exactly what we need and when we need it. And so I'm grateful because I hope some of you will need this like I did. So back to the story. When this man heard, who is the man? The official, right? The official heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee. He went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. Oh. I mean, I'm a dad, right? Like, I could imagine if my son was dying, how desperate I would be, right? Like, there's guesses on how long it was, but this was a little bit of a journey because on the way back, you'll find out he doesn't get home till it's the next day. So there's a little bit, some people say eight hours, but he walked and he didn't know what was happening at home. Did his son die? But he knew what he heard about this man and he knew he had to get there. 
he went to him and he asked him to come down. I mean, I don't know the words, but could you imagine him pleading with Jesus? <laughs> Have I ever pleaded with Jesus like that? Yeah, at times, like, oh, please, Lord. Like, oh, right? Like, if you don't intercede, we're not going to be okay. Then Jesus said to him, listen to this response. Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Here's where there's a language difference. This word you kind of means like you guys. You guys, right? Like, hey, right, you guys. Unless you guys here see these signs, you don't believe. It's almost like he's not necessarily just addressing this man, but everyone. Like, unless I do some miraculous thing, you're just not going to believe me. You see that anywhere else in the recorded scriptures throughout time? I mean, come on. People are people. We've kind of been the same. We're the same type of people that when Jesus actually literally parted a sea and let you walk through it and destroyed your enemy, the most powerful military in the world, the next day you're like, I'm hungry. Where are you at, God? Right? That's the type of people we are. Like, show me something miraculous. Do things my way. Otherwise, you're not good. And the idea with a sign or a wonder, we were talking about this in our Sunday night church where we kind of dig into this more, but like what, what is the purpose of a sign? What's a sign do? It points to God, okay. A sign of Jesus, yeah. What about just a sign itself? What did you say? Proof or evidence. Proof or evidence? What was that? Gives you direction. These are all really good. What else over here? Yeah, what did you say? It shows you where to go. Anything else? Very visible, points you the right way. Yeah. So, like, I mean, for instance, if you had a, uh, a crosswalk sign, that sign's not a literal crosswalk. It represents a real thing, right? So the whole point of a sign is it not only points to or, or alerts you to something coming, but it, it, it references and refers to a real thing, Right? crosswalk, you know, hey, uh, turn ahead. A stop sign is telling you stop, right? It's giving you direction. So there's all sorts of different signs, but really they represent an actual thing. The stop sign isn't a theoretical, what if you stopped? It's like, no, stop. I want you to do that now, okay? Um, whatever those trucks are on triangles, you see those? I don't, I've never seen a truck driving on a triangle. Just kidding. I used to joke with Brandy, I, I'm looking out for those trucks on triangles because that'd be pretty scary. Okay, if you don't get it, there's the incline truck sign. Yeah, you go through northern Arizona, you'll see a lot of them, and now you'll laugh next time you see it. You're welcome. That was free. That was free. And Brandy's rolling her eyes. Dad jokes, you, you got to do them. It's one of the benefits of being a dad. So everything that Jesus did, the sign, um, and it caused wonder, it was supposed to point you to a real thing. Now, the problem with people is, like, we get it twisted, right? Right? So that's kind of what happened. So the official said to Jesus, he says that, and the guy doesn't balk at all. He doesn't stop. He, why? Because he's a dad whose son is dying. 
right? This is a desperate man. And I, I don't know exactly his background and who he thought Jesus was, but all that mattered at that point is maybe this guy could save my son's life. And so the official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. So Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. How would, how would that go down for you? <laughs> how would that come across? I mean, when you plead, God, please do this. Go, it'll be okay. What, 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 do, you, what do you mean? So then it says, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went on his way. As he was going down, what's funny about the language here, it can be kind of confusing. You look at the map. And a lot of times, the scripture will say they went down. And what they're referring to is elevations, right? Sometimes they go up a mountain even though they go south on the map. Or they go, you know, down a mountain even though they go north on a map. So it can be a little confusing. That's with this, this section of scripture, you see that. They went down to here, but like, wait a second, that's north. I know, but it's down elevation-wise. So he was going down. His servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. Wow, right? But then the father knew, it says, that was the hour that Jesus had said to him, your son will live And he himself believed, and all his household. Verse 54, now this was the second sign. So eight in total through John, but the second one that Jesus did when he come from Judea to Galilee. A traveling miracle worker, right, to some of them. Messiahs to other ones. What a cool story, right? What else do we need to talk about, Brandon? Well... I'm glad that you asked. Yeah, he, Brandon's on it. We planted that. He knew exactly what to ask me. So the problem with the signs and people is this. We will inevitably lose sight of what the sign represents, and instead we focus on the sign itself, even to the point of worship of that sign. Right? I mean, we always do that. Always do that. Example? What do you guys think? What's an example? If you're new here, I need help. I'm not a very good pastor, so I need help. What's that? A snake. Okay. Yeah, right? Yeah, and, and Steve pointed to, uh, we, we were talking in our, in our study, and it took us back to the Old Testament where, where Moses he had all the Israelites are getting stung and killed by a poisonous snake. And so then he's commanded to build a bronze serpent statue. And he holds it up, and anyone who looks at it is no longer getting killed. But, I mean, you can imagine the scene, right? People are dying, snakes are going crazy, and you're doing arts and crafts. And then they hold the, the staff up, and then people are healed. So what do they do? They hold that serpent in high, high regard, not God. That serpent, as a matter of fact, they carry it with them as they travel and they display it. Like the snake statue on the staff became more important than what it represented. Yeah, very good example. Yeah. Many of our religious rituals. Many of our religious rituals. 
Yeah, communion, baptism, all those things become more important than what they represent. Yeah. The appearance of being healthy and wealthy? Yeah. Yeah. Right? All right, skinny, that means healthy, right? Like, I don't know, maybe not, right? Yeah, young, that means maybe not. Uh, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, you could see that. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a very good point. Yeah, uh, if you didn't hear that, she said, you, you look back at that last story, the woman at the well, right, the Samaritan woman. She knew uh, the signs, the prophecies about the Messiah, right? So, but she, so she became aware by the end of her conversation, not just about what Jesus could do, but about who he was, right? Like the whole point of the signs was to point to the fact that Jesus was this Messiah that was coming. He was the Savior, the Rescuer. Physical sign. Okay. That's a good point, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, even, even in a real practical way. Like, yeah, that's what Mindy said here. She's saying, you think about a crosswalk sign. Uh, the danger is you say it, you, you trust the sign, so you walk and you don't look to see if there's any cars coming. Like, you don't worry about the crosswalk process, you're worried about the sign, right? What it represents, yeah. Everything your parents taught you. And ultimately, guys, we want to be really comfortable. We want, to, we want things to go well. And when they don't, we wonder where God went. So if your sign, if your wonder makes me well or happy, I want that. And could you come back tomorrow and do it again? And again, please, Jesus, right? It's making me uncomfortable. I don't like that. Yeah. Sometimes the things that we get from God become the things that we worship. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How cool is it to gather to sing songs about God and talk about him? It's great, right? But if we start, we start focusing on the outcomes of a building and a, and a group of believers and a business of it, then we lose the point of what it is. It's about God. It's about what he's done and doing and leading us and how we can share it with others. Yeah. So this man did something, though, okay? He did something. Uh, there was kind of this message, hey, you guys don't believe, right? Like, how come you guys always have to get a new sign? And then you'll follow me around. And then that man responds and he says, like, I, almost like, I don't know what you said, but can you heal my son, please? Like, I'm pleading with you. And then Jesus said, go, your son as well. And I don't know what else happened. Did he ask him more than once? I don't know. Did he cry? But it says this, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. So all that I have to go on is that language. All that you have to go on is that language. What does that make you think? That man believed, that pastuo word. What do you think? What, was, what did the man, why did he walk away? He had faith. 
He had faith. I, I don't know what was going on in his mind, but the words I'm given here tell me he didn't walk away dejected. He didn't walk away angry. He walked away believing what Jesus said. And I hate to simplify it this, but I think it's helpful in my little brain, and maybe it helps you, to understand the simple act of saying, I believe, right? The word that we, that pastuo word that we translate. There seems to be this, it was used, guys, for a, a variety of levels of belief, if you will. It was used sometimes when a person was like, I've come to uh, acknowledge, right? And then it was used also once that person, that acknowledgement got to the point where they acted on it. And then it was used also in combination with, another, with other words to tell you, no, this person was so in, they were like, gonna, gonna die if this didn't come through. Like totally leaning on, like that yoga ball day that we did that, right? It's like, it was from like, I believe that that chair will hold me up to, I believe that the chair will hold me up to, I believe that the chair will hold me up, right? Like if it falls I'm done for, concussion time. Concussion protocol, have to call Josh in to preach, right? Like, that's, there's all those levels. So this guy seemed to acknowledge, believe, but then he left and went home. Let me tell you what Will does. Will's like, sure, Jesus, now I'm going to stop by CVS on the way home and get some ginkgo biloba or whatever I need for my son, right? This is, this is the problem with only half believing. Sure, I kind of trust you, God, but I'm still dependent on my own terms, Maybe a little orange juice or some warm jello, right? I, I don't know. Maybe whatever it is, it's going to, some essential oil, right? Like, no, this guy was like, okay, I'm going back home. I don't know if my son's dead already or not, but I'm believing you. Well, how do we know? Carson, how do we know that he believed? That second part, he went. He went. What's the biggest complaint about people who say they have faith in Jesus with the world around them? What's the complaint? Tell me some complaints that people would say about Christians. Hypocrites, which means what? They don't do what they say. Yeah, they don't follow it. Yeah. So let's look at this man. Your son will be okay. How do you respond? I believe, okay? If you believe, what's your only response? To trust and go, right? What if he stayed and argued? Right? What if he went to the other village healer, right? I don't know. What if you went to some witch or wizard, right? The man believed before he saw the outcome. And you know he believed because the man did what Jesus asked. Remember back to John 1? Jesus, through Jesus, you were created. Through Jesus, you have life. You have breath. Through Jesus, you not only have a past and a present, but also a future. 
In him is light and life. What if this man's son's light and life included his body dying that day? Is God still good? It's so hard, though, brother. I can't put my kids, right? What would happen? Like, you want to follow Jesus, you got to get to that reality. You can't just stop at the happy Hollywood ending. Everyone's well, man. The kid was playing soccer when he got home. I mean, I'm glad, praise God, that he did. It proved that God was real. But right now, you got to realize that that son could die. But that doesn't mean you stop and you argue with Jesus. You still go when he tells you. Check this out. I don't know that it's true, but I am American. I love a happy ending, right? Like, I want to know what happened. All these people, like, isn't there like a behind-the-scenes special on YouTube? Where, where are they now, right? Like, okay, so here's this man. He goes back. His son's alive. They meet him. As a matter of fact, just when Jesus said that your son is well, he got better. Okay, so here, what's the, what is the problem? What is the barrier to belief? The question I want to ask you, what's the barrier of belief for this man? What are some of the barriers? What do you think, Rick? What's the barrier for this guy? Trust? He doesn't trust, you said? Yeah. Fear? Well, think about his situation. Is this a capable guy or a helpless guy? He had to believe without seeing. He's far away. He's such a journey. I'm sure by the time he gets back, his son would be dead if he wasn't already. I mean, this guy, this guy is not without means or support. Like, he can do stuff. And that's the problem with us. The more self-reliant we get, the more faithless we are. The more we have, the less we desire, other than our own bellies. Letting go and letting God, right? John, 1 John 4, we were talking about, man, the world comes at you, right? And the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And we got tons of that now. And so did this guy, I'm sure. He was a man of power and means. Do you think this was the first stop for this guy? Right? Probably not. Would doubt be the opposite of believing? What do you think? I think so. I think so. Right? Doubt and fear are two of the worst enemies of trust. It's a very true statement. But so this guy, man, like, he had everything going against him, right? Logically, his kid was getting worse. They didn't have a medicine for this. And if they did, I'm sure they already tried it. He was in service of the king of the land. This guy was so powerful, he owned people probably, okay? And now those of you who are like, I get it, man. I feel like the Samaritan woman. And then, the, then there's the other group of us who are like, I'm so spoiled, I don't get her. This guy I get. I'm spoiled. Right? I'm so reliant on myself. But you come to the end of yourself. And, and if we can glean a little bit from another man and woman and family who came to the end of themselves and their ability and what they did. If we can glean a lesson from that, if we can learn, not the hard way, good luck. But that would be great if we can. So here's this reminder, but check this out. Here's, here's the report of like, where are they now? I, it's a good question, Randy. Where are they now? So in Luke 8, it's talking about the women 
who are joining Jesus and his disciples on that. And what's cool is a couple things I'm reading is there's lots of thought that believe they found what happened to this family. Because right here in in, uh, Luke 8, it would talk about different people, Mary Magdalene, uh, Mary the mother of God, and some of those that that were getting involved in ministry. It also mentions in verse 3 this, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. Wow. Okay, I, I don't know if you made that connection, but think about it for a second. Dad leaves. Eight hours later, the sun starts getting better. Right? What is, what's happening? Right? All of a sudden, here, you send the servants, go get him. He's better. Whatever it is, we don't need it anymore. And they get running, sir, sir, sir. And, and like, oh, your son's better. Well, when did it happen? Well, like one o'clock yesterday. One o'clock? You got to be kidding me. What kind of? That's when the dude said, he's going to be well. Like, then he's like going back home. He's telling his wife, there was the man. He did this. Like, it's true what they're saying. I don't know if he's a prophet or a magician, but he might just be the Messiah we were learning about. In this family, if they were serving the king, they were a group of Jews who probably had lost faith in that the Messiah was really coming. Instead, they thought, if we can group with the Romans and get wealthy, Healthy, wealthy, and wise, right? Back to what Josh is saying. We'll be okay. Right? And here it was. Their healthy, wealthy, and wise didn't work. Their son was dying, and then the Messiah came. And then what did they do after that? You don't know, but what if that's true? What if they took all their wealth, and they're part of the reasons that funded the ministry that happened? I mean, it's not sexy, it's not fun to think about, but these guys had to eat and need a place to go. They needed finances. Just like any church in America or ministry or nonprofit group who does good work. Right? Like, these were the people that joined them on their journeys and financed it. And why? Because they believed, because they saw the sign which pointed to, you can trust Jesus for life and death. How cool. How cool. The whole point of the story, back to John 20, 31, John wrote this. Hey, there's a lot more, he says, before this. Like, there's more that's written here. But these stories were chosen that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have faith in his name. Try to remember if I did something else. Tell me about that. Tell me about that. Because before I want to bring this home, and I, and I want to ask you to respond to this, what does that mean if Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Lord, the Rescuer, or the Savior? What does that mean about Jesus? We should trust Him. Right on. The whole point of Him, healing a son who is about to die. Let's forget the sign. What does the sign mean? He has the power over life and death. He has power over life and death. He uses that power to love. What else is true? His deity. Tell me more about that. Yeah. 
yes. Yeah, very, it's very true. That's, if you didn't hear, what she's saying is all these eight miracles recorded in John, they're, they're pointing to this, that, that Jesus is God. It's his, his deity. And there are certain things, because he's God, that are true. And one is that he has power over life and death. Right? Right? So if I'm dealing with life and death, who's the one that has power? Right? And he's, he's over weather. Right? He, he, can, he can feed you. He can clothe you. He can keep you safe. What else? What's that sign point to? Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So if you hear that, she's saying, uh, you know, when you look at, you look at the creation and you look at the scriptures, it says that God, like through Jesus, he spoke and it was. Right? The power of creation is a simple voice. And here is another story, right? Where it's like, Jesus said, he's well. He didn't have to go to him. He said it and it was. And, and, and why is that so cool? What do you think? I don't mean to put you on the spot. I just like, let's. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what she said. I love what you said. I would put it in my words. You were studying, and throughout the scripture, you saw this same truth, right? Like, that from Genesis, he spoke and there was light, right? Like, and then he spoke and the kids better. And how cool is that? Because there's things that we need, right? There's things that we need. There's things that threaten us. And, and I get that, that we have the Holy Spirit in us, but we don't just speak and it is. Like, but he does, right? Yeah, could you imagine? It'd be like most people marrying the person they dated in high school. They'd say, what, right? I, I'm lucky I did, and it worked out good. But most of you are like, thank you, God, for not answering my prayers when I was 12, right? Because like, uh, being an astronaut didn't turn out so good for all of them, or a football player, right? This is better. That, I'm glad I'm a janitor instead. This is better for me, but never what I would have prayed for when I was 10, right? So we know that. Good thing we don't just speak it. Um, but yeah, right, because I think let's get into a practical. The whole point of that sign is that he is God. And why that's so important for us and what we need to come to believe, the, the uh, applications of that are just like everything, really. And that's why I wanna, I'm asking you mostly because I want to hear what it is in your heart. I can guess, oh yeah, you're a kid. But like, what is, what is it that's so powerful about, about this sign, what it points to? Jesus is God. And how might that be so necessary in something that you can more and more, right? Like, okay, Jesus is God, right? Like the chair. Okay, I'm I'm working on saying Jesus is God, and I want to get to the point where I'm like, oh, Jesus is God, and if he's not, I'm out of luck. I'll edit that. Yeah. Yeah, so if I, if I try to summarize what she was saying is, is saying yes. Uh, it, it helps us to remember to, to release the control we always try to take. 
right? It's like, it's that reminder, like, I got this. Be still, trust, and know that I'm God. Yeah. That's powerful. There's another power, powerful, couple powerful things. Hey, the first of all, the control, the tendency. I get it. You want to be competent. You want to do good things. But you become overconfident in that, right? And on the other end, you hate when weakness shows up, right? But the truth, and like what you're saying is, is in my weakness, I become strong because I depend on his power. Like in that moment where your kid is eight hours away dying and maybe dead already and you can't do anything about it, like you're as weak as can be. And only in that could you do such a strong move that they talk about it 2,000 years later in Prescott Valley. Oh, see, this is it. This is much more helpful than anything I could say, guys. What else? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Love? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blows your mind. Blows your mind hole. Yeah. Uh, so the, she, she pointed back to the love of it. I mean, you've got God and Jesus. They don't need you. They don't need us. They're not dependent on us, but they love us anyway, right? Like, even when we reject them, they love us. Like, this is a one little boy, right, Who's, whose dad has a position in the government there. This is one little boy, and God cared enough to do this. You know, one person. So it blows your mind that he loves us that much. Yeah, because I mean, and you have to sort of, you have to sort of realize this truth, uh, him healing that man's son and him letting that man's son die and healing him forever are both loving, right? And when it all ends and certain people are thrown into a lake of fire, as it's described, I believe God loved those people too and didn't stop. Could you imagine the pain of that? Like, that's the truth of it. So no matter what you're going through, it's not that God doesn't love you. He loves you. Right? That is a real truth. And he has the power to stop it. So if he doesn't, because he's God, there's a better reason than you can see. It's like telling your 17-year-old, no, don't get a tattoo across your forehead. You might regret that someday. You see it, right? You know. They may not. But so-and-so rapper did, and he's a millionaire. I get it. But you're not, and that's not a good plan. Right? Like, you know it because you're 40, 50, 60. They don't because they're 15. Yeah. Okay, it's easier to say that than to be the one experiencing it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, so what she's saying is, it's easy enough for someone else to say God loves you. What's hard is in your reality, in your circumstance, to realize that God loves you and accept that yourself, right? Yeah. When you feel so unlovable. Uh huh. And 
prayed for him. He's talking. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the healing of the, the football player who on Monday night, you know, and now he's, we've seen people go on life support and not bounce back as quick as that is. That's a miracle of God for sure. Yeah. He had enough people around him to pray for him. Yeah, praying for him. Yeah. Yeah, no, right on. That's what she said here, you know, which you can see in both the woman at the well and then this official, is there's a, a humility that they came to. And, and I would add right before that, we hear about Nicodemus who didn't quite come to that in that conversation, right? And so there was this sort of humility where they got to the end of themselves, no matter where they were at, and been like, okay. Like, she went into town and, and believed that he was the Messiah and told everyone, and this man said, okay. Whatever it is, you said he's going to be well, I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. That, that humility is, is direction for prayer, that we come to God in a humble way. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah, what, what she was saying is it, it ties back into the deity, which you guys brought up. Because he's God, right? Because he's God, he's in control. And, and she brought Job into that too. You look at Job, there wasn't a promise of outcomes, right? Like he didn't tell Job everything was going to be well and everything was going to go smooth. As a matter of fact, Job went through a lot of things that should make most men and women say there is no God or he's not good, right? But however, he didn't curse God. And in and, and the end, God restored him and, and did things probably more than he ever expected. But you don't know because you're not God, right? But God is good. He's in power. He's in authority no matter what we... Even like, oh, man, that storm hit me. What a victim. No. God's in control. If the storm came there, so-and-so passed away. No. This wasn't a tragedy, even though it's heartbreaking. This was the day allotted that would be his last day, right? Oh, but our country. No, God has a plan, right? He knows. He's the one that installs every ruler, 
right? He's the one that numbers the days. He's the one that knows when he's going to come back. He's the one that knows us, that made us, right? And Jesus is God through him. And wow, that's the rest of your life applying that. So what I want to ask you guys to do is this. The other important thing about this is instead of getting lost in the sign and keeping track of the meaning, and the meaning is Jesus is God and all the things that come from that. And Jesus is a healer, but he's true. We need reminders. Anyone else here, like this is the first day I've ever heard Jesus is God? Probably not, right? If nowhere else, you probably heard it on Facebook or something, right? Or at Christmas time, okay? I get that. So what you need is the reminder because when you leave here today, you're going to need to know that Jesus is God before the end of the day. So what if we did this? Praise team can come on back up. And I'm going to ask them to play, not just because it helps, I think, a little music in the background. Uh, And what I want you to do in response is one of two things. Like, I know that you have times in your life where... Jesus showed that he was God, right? You got a story. You've you've got a witness of like, if he did it before, he can do it again. But you know what? Maybe the person around you really needs to hear that. If you were so brave and so bold, would you find someone and tell them how you know that Jesus is God? And if if you're not comfortable with that, introverts love you too. Okay, that's cool. Would you thank God in prayer for, for Jesus, for sending Jesus and Jesus for proving that he is God? Does that make sense? Could you share it with someone else or share it with yourself? Because as, as my wife tells me, sometimes I talk to myself because I need expert advice. So maybe you need expert advice today. As Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones would say, as a Christian has to take themselves by hand and counsel themselves. So maybe we need to do that right now. So I'm going to start... And then you'll pray, and then once the Holy Spirit tells them sing, they'll sing, okay? Cool? Lord, thank you so much for your word. Um, man, I, I know that you're God, Jesus. There's a lot of stories to share, but I know that you're God because I have three kids. And there were some days that, like, when I thought, oh, maybe we wouldn't have any kids or when the struggle that Brandy and I would have at times. But, like, you knew. You knew exactly who were our kids and when they were supposed to be here. Like, that's, no medicine can do that. No science can do that. No magic, no pill can do that. Just you. If I didn't have them, this wouldn't quite feel like life. But I know that that's not true, too. But, Lord, you are God, and I am so thankful. And if you did it then, I know that you'll do it again. So I I pray over this time that we would just reflect with you, Lord, Holy Spirit, and that you'd either lead us to share with someone else about how we know that you're God, or maybe we just need to share with ourselves that we know that you're God. Please be in this time and lead us, Lord, that we might worship and follow you more and more and deeper and deeper.